Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here's your host, Price Atkinson. All right, welcome in another edition of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football. I'm your host, Price Atkinson. Back once again, we're going to get into that second leg of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy played this past weekend. Army and Air Force doing battle, but before we do, just want to thank everybody again for their patience. I was traveling yet again last week for work and and just had a a very difficult time being able to sit down and bang out time to record an episode, so my sincerest apologies on on having to skip last week. Not ideal, especially with the Commander-in-Chief Trophy second lead coming up, but I just appreciate every single one of you for tuning in, listening, downloading, subscribing every single week, which you can do on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. You can uh, listen every single week just simply by following at Yards and Stripes on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook as I'll get every episode posted right there. But you can have it delivered to your smartphone every single week just by searching Yards and Stripes and hitting subscribe. I really appreciate everybody that has done so. And if you got time, leave us a review. We'd love to uh, at least get uh, four or five stars, whatever you want to give us. But it just makes the podcast easier for others to find, especially Army, Navy, and Air Force football fans. But we got a big episode coming up. Because we missed last week, we're going to double-pack this one. And it's packed with our special feature guest this week, Ryan Mannion, the president of the Travis Mannion Foundation. We hadn't had her on yet, but we partnered with TMF the last two seasons, as you know, with our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll that we wrap up every episode with the podcast, honoring and remembering a fallen hero that's given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. But we're going to talk with Ryan about the new book she's co-authored uh, with a couple of her colleagues and co-workers. The book is called The Knock at the Door. Ryan Mannion herself, Heather Kelly, and Amy Looney Heffernan. Uh, Amy Looney Heffernan, the spouse, surviving spouse of uh, Brendan Looney, who was best friends uh, with Travis. They went to the Naval Academy together, and he was killed uh, three years later in 2010. And Heather Kelly, she lost her husband, Robert, also in 2010. So just an amazing read, The Knock at the Door. We're going to talk with the president herself of the Travis Mannion Foundation, Ryan Mannion, coming up in just a little bit. But first, got to look ahead to what happened this past weekend. Hut, hut, hike! All right, we'll start Friday night because it was a national TV audience for the Navy midshipmen going on the road and taking on the Yukon Huskies. And the Navy midshipmen, they score a huge 56-10 to 10 win in East Hartford over the fellow American Athletic Conference Yukon Huskies. And this thing was not even close as Navy racks up its largest victory, a 46-point win, its largest uh, victory since a 49-point win against Rice in 2009. Navy came into this game number one in the country in rushing at 357 yards per game. They finished with 408 in the contest, led by, yes, none other than Malcolm Perry, the starting quarterback, 11 carries, 108 yards, two touchdowns, including carrying for a touchdown on his very first carry of the game, a 58-yard touchdown run that put Navy in front before UConn would come right back and tie it 7-7. to But Jamel Carruthers comes into this football game racking up touchdowns at a record pace, seven in the last two games, and he has three in this contest. His first touchdown, a 13-yard run that put Navy in front for good, 
14 to 7. UConn comes back with a field goal, but then it was Navy all the way the rest of the half. Nelson Smith, a one yard touchdown run, and then Michael Cooper, a 58 yard touchdown pass from Malcolm Perry. Navy gets a big stop late in the second quarter uh, when UConn was driving. That kept Navy in front 28 to 10 but it was nothing but navy the rest of the way as perry and carruthers went in for touchdown run of two and 23 yards respectively in the third quarter and make it 42 to 10 and then in the fourth quarter carruthers again and then perry olsen the backup quarterback he finishes off the scoring and and a 15 plate 94 yard drive eight minutes off the clock as perry olsen goes in from one yard out to make it 56 to 10 in what was the game's final margin. Navy now 7 and 1 overall, 5 and 1 in the American Athletic Conference. Perry was sensational. I uh, told you on the ground 108 yards, but thir- uh, uh, six attempts, three completions, 165 yards in a touchdown. But Navy uh, Malcolm Perry does go over the 1,000-yard mark yet again, becoming just the second player in Navy football history uh, next to Keenan Reynolds, the quarterback that he follows as Malcolm Perry now goes over 1,000 yards for a third consecutive season. Congratulations to him. Uh, it's just another outstanding performance. But staying healthy is one of the biggest keys you can say about Malcolm Perry. The Navy defense, they get it done. They forced three UConn turnovers, a fumble, and then picked off UConn twice in the game. Also held the Huskies to just 4 of 15 on third down, 0 of 2 on fourth down and just 311 yards of total offense in the football game. Another outstanding effort in an effort that now keeps Navy in the race for not only American Athletic Conference title, but a New Year's Day six bowl game as the midshipmen now do sit a half game ahead of Memphis and SMU in the division uh, in the American Athletic Conference. Navy 5-1, and one, leading Memphis and SMU both at 4-1, thanks to Memphis's win over the Mustangs on Friday night or on Saturday night. Navy now with the edge uh, just by virtue of playing one more game. So the midshipmen will be off before they come back with that big non-conference tilt against Notre Dame in a couple weeks. And the big game of the weekend The Black Knights heading to Colorado Springs, second leg of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy against the Air Force Falcons, Army, Air Force, and Air Force, a thriller, 17-13 victory over the Black Knights. Let's tell you exactly how it happened, is Air Force now 7-2 overall, Army in a free-for-all mode, still in danger of missing out on the postseason at 3-6 overall. They've now lost five in a row, but to get to the action. It was a game that was really uh, the tone set from the very beginning of this football game, folks, as defense came to play and rule the day. As Army, they drive inside uh, the Air Force two-yard line, one-yard line, really, and on fourth and goal, uh, Air Force gets the stop and is turned away. Uh, but then again, at the end of the game, it was also Air Army getting inside uh, the red zone, but the Air Force defense coming up big again. We'll tell you about that in a second. Uh, but really, uh, a couple things stood out. One, uh, Jabari Laws, who came in and played starting quarterback for the Black Knights. What a fantastic football game. Uh, Jabari Laws turned in. Kelvin Hopkins Jr., you'll hear from Jeff Munkin here in just a few minutes, banged up, had to come in and play in the final series as Laws was drilled on a hit by Jordan Jackson, who was ultimately kicked out of the football game for targeting 
Jabari lost, bell rung. He did not return for those last couple plays. Kelvin Hopkins Jr. has to play and had to play injured. They didn't think he was healthy enough to go the whole way, uh, but Kelvin Hopkins Jr. has to do it. But Jabari lost before he got hurt, 21 carries, 54 yards, but really it was the story of his arm. Through 9 of 11 completions, 214 yards, including a touchdown for the Black Knights. But Jake Conkey gets Air Force on the board with a 20-yard field goal to chip shot there midway through the second quarter. But Jabari Laws, he engineers an 11-play, 65-yard drive, almost seven minutes off the clock uh, to go in from two yards out with 117 left in the first half. The point after was no good, and that proved to be a telling, also a telling difference into the football game. As as you know, 17 to 13, a little bit later, Air Force had to keep them out of the end zone because Army was forced to, to score a touchdown instead of kicking a game-tying field goal. So that missed extra point there late in the first half does loom large over this game. In the third quarter, Timothy Jackson, he gives Air Force the lead right back, a three-yard touchdown run. Uh, capping a nine-play, 64-yard drive. But on the very next play of the football game, Jabari Laws, the longest throw and catch of his career, the longest play from scrimmage for Army this season, an 87-yard touchdown pass to Cam Harrison. Literally 13 seconds later, Army back in front in this football game, 13-10. to 10. But in the fourth quarter, the difference was Joshua Stoner, a kid who came in and played marvelously uh, in the times he touched the football game, eight carries, 59 yards. But it was this carry and this first touchdown run of his career that put Air Force ahead for good. Quick pitch left side, Stoner to the five, gets a block, touchdown! Stoner with a block from Sanders on the edge, and the Falcons retake the lead. And that audio courtesy of... The, the Air Force radio network once again as Stoner takes a pitch and dives in uh, for the five-yard touchdown run. Uh, that, that puts Air Force up 17-13. to 13. Uh, But then it was time to get tough, as they say. The Air Force defense had to get tough late in the football game. Is is Army, they drove it, and it was largely behind the arm of Jabari Laws uh, in several completions that drove it down inside the Air Force 10. Hopkins Jr. was incomplete looking for Cam Harrison on first and goal at the Air Force 7. Then Hopkins ran for two yards before Air Force called a timeout. And then Hopkins Jr. looking for Harrison again. Zane Lewis with a big pass breakup. So that set up the fourth and goal from the five with just under 40 seconds to go in the football game. Hopkins, shotgun, man in motion. Left to right, that's Walker. Hopkins to throw, looks throws end zone incomplete incomplete this game is over and air force wins it they beat the black knights 17 to 13 now audio courtesy of once again the air force radio network the play-by-play voice jim arthur that's how it sounded and air force gets the 17 to 13 victory over army wow what a football game folks it was uh, a absolute thriller as we all know when academies get together is Munkin now just two and four against the Falcons while Troy Calhoun he improved to 10 and three uh, against the Black Knights but the first win 
over Army in the last couple of seasons for Air Force. Here's what Troy Calhoun had to say after the football game and really talking about the tone that was set at the very beginning about the stop inside of the one-yard line by the Air Force defense and obviously late in the game when they had to hold. That's it. I mean, uh, and everything else in between. Uh, but that, uh, that was a, I think it was a crucial stop there early in the game. Because uh, you look, I mean, there just aren't a whole lot. Of, there were a few more possessions today, but you got that feeling early in the game. There might only be three possessions a half, but uh, that was a that was a, that was a big big play. You know, there, 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 like I said, there were just so many plays that could have gone really. I mean, hey, and credit to credit to the opponent too. My goodness, you know the way they competed, the way their guys played. I mean, it's just one of those days where you think. These are two schools that you want to embrace, and they do a lot of good things for our country, a bunch of good things. And uh, uh, the players certainly that are on the field, but also the student body of each side. That's Air Force head coach Troy Calhoun talking about his now 7-2 Air Force Falcons. A fantastic resurgent season for Air Force. Here's what Army head coach Jeff Munkin had to say after the game, lamenting about the amount of yards that his defense gave up in the ball game, and also talked about how Jabari Laws got the start over Kelvin Hopkins Jr., who's still injured. I thought the guys made a heck of an effort to get it down there. Jabari made some really good plays to give us an opportunity to, to put it in, and we didn't get it done. They rushed for 328 yards, so it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't exactly what we hoped we would uh, we would do. They they were killing us on a counter play. They got us a couple of times just on a on a zone give with uh, with an extra blocker over there, a tight end or a flexed uh, tight end, and you know we just we weren't getting them stopped. They had a, we had a third and long down there on that end, and. They ran the counter play for 15 and ended up getting a touchdown. We just didn't do a good job stopping the run. And uh, and he's still injured, so uh, he didn't. You know, he went in there for that last drive, but we didn't feel like he was healthy enough to make it through an entire football game. And uh, Jabari had practiced, and and Kelvin didn't, and uh, felt like he deserved the opportunity to to play. And I thought he did a did a good job. So there you go. That was the difference in the football game. A couple stops inside the red zone. Massive standouts for both defenses. That really, uh, both defenses were, were solid during the afternoon, but there was none better than Air Force. Air Force was the better uh, defense. I know they gave up some a good hunk of yards passing, but boy, when you can hold the Black Knights to just 129 yards rushing, which they did, that was a telling stat. Uh, Air Force did rush for 328 of their own in the football game. Air Force came into the to the game one of the nation's best on third down. They converted just five of 13. Both teams were identical in that category, uh, but obviously, ultimately, Army being able to throw the football game that changed the game. But as we sit now, the Commander-in-Chief Trophy, Air Force cannot win it as they beat Navy and now or they lose to Navy and beat Army. They cannot win it. 
Air Army can retain the trophy with a win over Navy. They can only retain it. They can't win it. Navy is the team now in position uh, that can win the Commander-in-Chief trophy this season with a victory over Army in the season finale. But as I just mentioned, if Army wins the Army-Navy game, they won't win the, the cup outright, the trophy outright. They will retain it by virtue of winning it last year. So that's the way the Commander-in-Chief trophy situation sits as we look ahead, because that Army-Navy game is going to be a big one, obviously, as it always is with so much on the line. But this year is going to be more of the same with the Commander-in-Chief trophy both teams will be essentially playing for in Philadelphia. All right, you know what that means. It's time to hand out our weekly game ball. And boy, that weekly game ball this week, none other than Timothy Jackson, the fullback sophomore out of California, Vacaville, California. Timothy Jackson, a career high, 155 yards on the ground in the win over the Black Knights, including a touchdown a week after going for a previous career high, 148, along with 25 carries in the win over Utah State. He now goes for 155 in the win over Army. And boy, he just continues to churn away as he's had uh, four touchdowns in the last four games, one each, and averaging uh, over six and a half yards a carry uh, during that time in which he's carried the football uh, 78 times in that span. So uh, it's no question about it that this Air Force offense revved up now. Uh, DJ Hammond, we know, can throw the football. Caden uh, Rimsburg, Taven Bordeaux, but now you throw in Timothy Jackson, what he's doing on the ground at fullback. He became just the first, or excuse me, he became the first fullback to rush for over 100 yards in four straight games in Air Force history and became the first player uh, at Air Force to do it since Cody Getz had five straight 100-yard games back in 2012. But that 40-yard run in the first half, that longest of Timothy Jackson's career. But congratulations to the sophomore fullback, Timothy Jackson, for the United States Air Force Academy, a career-high 155 yards and a touchdown uh, to go with 20 carries in the win over Army. All right, when we come back, time to get to our featured guest, Ryan Mannion, the president of the Travis Mannion Foundation. She is going to join us. Excited to bring you this conversation with her talking about her new book, The Knock at the Door, and the amazing work that TMF does around the country. That's coming up next. Ryan Mannion, the president of the Travis Mannion Foundation, right here on Yards and Stripes. Through Travis Mannion Foundation's Operation Legacy Service Projects, Veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians across the country come together under the common cause to serve in honor of our nation's heroes. Service projects include city beautifications, planting memorial trees, volunteering at shelters, park cleanups, and more. Ask yourself, if not me, then who? And register for a project near you or as a virtual volunteer by visiting oplegacy.org. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here again is Price Atkinson. Yards and Stripes are home for Service Academy football. We're back here and we got our featured guest. And this is a very, very special guest this week, Ryan Mannion, who is the president of the Travis Mannion Foundation, folks. You've heard me talk about it. This being now two seasons, you know we wrap up every episode with the Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll. 
honoring a, a service member who is who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And you know, Ryan, right out of the gate, uh, as we get going, I mean, it's just an incredible honor to talk to you. But you know, especially about the Travis Manion Foundation, founded in name of your brother, somebody I I knew clearly not as well as you, uh, but obviously having worked with him at, at Navy. Um, this is really an honor, and especially I always just am harkened back by the, that phrase, if not me, then who, that he spoke before leaving on that final deployment. Yeah, you know, we are um, – well, first, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, those five words certainly drive not only everything we do at the Travis Manning Foundation, but drive everything I do every single day. Mm-hmm. Um you can't help but take those five words and put them into practice and, and really make sure that you're moving forward, guided by what those five words mean and symbolize. Yep. You know, it, it is we're going to talk with you about your book uh, that you co-authored with, with two of your other colleagues here at the Travis Manion Foundation, Heather Kelly and Amy Looney Heffernan, the book called The Knock at the Door. And we're going to get to the book itself here in just a few minutes. But that knock at the door, and it, I guess it was, you know, having known the story, it was the call you got uh, from your family. But that proverbial knock at the door that day, I know this something that no person, family member, loved one can prepare for, but how did, how did that, that change you? Because I know you talk about, you know, you don't let, you know, you don't let something like this define you. Uh, but I know you, there's no way you could have expected what was going to happen after that. Yes. You know, I, I mean, I, I think you say you don't let it define you, but in some ways it does. Sure. Um, that knock changed the trajectory of not just my life, but Mm -hmm. my entire family's life. And um, I think all of us uh, who receive the knock in in military service, you know, that our loved one has given their life in service to this country, it's a, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. Um, And, and I think for us, Amy, Heather, and I, um, we made the choice to respond to that Mm -hmm. by serving with others. And we found that the best way to channel our grief is to be in service to others, is to continue our loved one's legacy through service to this country. And and that's a lot of what we're doing at the Travis Manning Foundation. It's a lot of what I, we talk about in the book. And and I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that that didn't come without its challenges. Um, we've had hiccups along the way and, and it really took, I'm 12 years out from the loss of my brother. And it, and it took those 12 years to be able to come back and write this book and reflect on the last 12 years and Mm -hmm. what they meant. And ultimately where we found ourselves today. You know, where you are today is just an incredible operation. I mean, what over eight regional offices, eight, I think over what approximately 50, staff members i mean the the work you guys are doing and you know i know tmf started with your mom you know as the 501c3 and you know it, it really kind of focused up what i was reading more of a hypo hyper local organization but i mean when you were getting involved in in this thing was blossoming i mean did you ever see that 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 tmf was was going to become or en route to becoming something so much bigger than originally planned I often say that, that, well, the short answer is no, Mm -hmm. but the longer answer is, is yes, because it was short-sighted on my part not to understand 
what my mom was building. My mom was a very driven person and she used to talk about this idea of this becoming a nationally recognized veteran serving organization that was working with families and veterans across the country. And, you know, when I joined, we were just on the cusp of that happening. Yep. And it was just, it was less than a year after I joined that my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Yep. And so I found myself in a place where after she passed away, we had just begun to explode. And mm. I look at that and I'm so happy that my mom was able to see um, a piece of that national growth. And, but to see where we are today in 2019 and the reach that we have and the impact we're having across this country, um, certainly for me, driving it as the president, uh, I am always making sure that I stay true to the vision that my mom set forward back in 2008 when she became a, you know, made this a 501c3. Right. Uh, as we continue with Ryan Mannion, the president of the Travis Mannion Foundation that you can check out online, travismannion.org. You hear me talk about it every single week. Uh, give them a follow on Twitter at TM, TM Foundation, as Ryan is the co-author of the new book set to come out this week, The Knock at the Door, co-authored with Heather Kelly and Amy Lunin. Amy Looney Heffernan and Ryan I want to get to the book but the last question I want to ask you before we do that is you know when you get a call from a family member or a loved one you know that is is coming to TMF because you're so proactive but you know they, they come to you they you're looking for help care uh, a shoulder to cry on what what do you say to a family member? And I'm sure it's probably impossible to encapsulate it in just a, a couple sentences. But you know, how does that process begin to nurture a family? You know that he, that is going through something like this, something just so traumatic, like you all went through. Well, the first thing we say to the families of the fallen that come into our pipeline at the Travis Manning Foundation is, you know, be ready because this is the organization that is going to challenge you. Yep. We are going to we, we will certainly wrap our arms around you and we will share in your grief, but we're also going to push you outside of your comfort zone. Yep. And we're going to make sure that you honor your loved ones by challenging yourself. And and that's how kind of that's how we were created. You know, my mom certainly challenged herself after the loss of Travis to create this organization. Yep. And we saw the power that that gave her in finding purpose again. And in a small way, we want to give that to every family that enters the door here. Yeah, absolutely. The Knock at the Door is the name of the book, co-authored by yourself, Heather Kelly, and Amy Looney, Lo Amy Looney Heffernan. You know, the story of, of three of you bonded by grief and purpose. And, you know, this is really a book that's, that's not just – it's more than about, you know, having lost a loved one who's serving. But, but this is really a book about also, you know, anyone who's been challenged to demonstrate the resilience that you have to have many times in the face of, of a struggle, you know, from a life-changing event, whether it be, you know, a death in the family, uh, you know, uh, a divorce, something to that nature. And, and that's what we say. You know, mm -hmm. we wrote this book certainly to share our story and with a – um, full understanding that the military community would certainly resonate with it, but also knowing that this book is more than that. It's about that knock on the door that every single one of us will inevitably get. Yep. And that, that knock can come in many forms, as you said, but 
the the idea of why we wrote this book is not to shield anybody from the knock at the door because mm-hmm. we certainly can't say read this book and you won't get the knock it's more about read this book and and hopefully you'll be able to see how you can best respond when that knock comes yeah, absolutely. And obviously your brother, Travis, who, who gave the ultimate sacrifice in April of 2007. But but Amy lost her 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 husband, Lieutenant Brendan Looney, who was best friends with Travis, who uh, mm-hmm. Amy now obviously is uh, on staff as vice president of the Travis Manion Foundation. And then Heather Kelly, West Region Program Manager, she lost her husband. Um, Robert Kelly uh, in Afghanistan, November of 2010. And, you know, you guys coming together, you work together, but how did y'all come together with the idea of doing this book together? A little bit of it was, you know, we are three gold star um, women that work at the Mm -hmm. Travis Manning Foundation. So a lot of times when it comes to, um, and and we're not the only ones, we have incredible, um, employees here that are gold star siblings and gold star spouses outside of just the the three of us. But, you know, a lot of times we're asked about our experience and our shared experience on how we came together. Amy and I, of course, knowing each other because of the relationship between Travis and Brendan Mm -hmm. through the Naval Academy. But when I joined the foundation, I joined because I was missing something Mm -hmm. and I was missing something in my life. And, and, the same with Amy. After Amy lost her husband, she went back to work and she went back to work as a pharmaceutical sales rep and something was missing. And, you know, she, she talks about in the book is when she started giving back to others is when she kind of found herself again. Right. And with Heather as well. I mean, I, I share the story. I remember Heather had started as a volunteer in our San Diego office Mm -hmm. and she was still working. She went back again after Robert uh, was killed. She went back to her job and she was working there um, in the corporate corporate world. And she started volunteering at the Travis Manning foundation and Mm -hmm. a position opened up and she applied for it. And I knew right away, like those are the type of people because they get it, they want to give back and they understand um, this community that we're a part of. And so, you know, they had shared with me that she was going through the interviewing process and I was with her down at the Marine Corps Marathon. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I'm in the final round of interviews with the foundation. I'm not sure if you're aware. And and I said to her, hey, just so you know, don't act surprised when they tell you you got the job on Monday. (laughs) And um, and she smiled and, and, you know, and it was from then on, the three of us, we have you know, all, all of our, our loved ones, Travis, Brendan, and Robert, um, their stories are somewhat known um, mm-hmm. throughout the, the country. Um, yep. as And so we thought it was important for us to share not only their stories, but share the other side of that yep. and share what comes after the, the casket is closed and the folded flag is handed to the family. Because right now, when you think about families of the fallen, that's the image that's in your head. Yep. It's that folded flag and the loved one holding that folded flag. But what the the American public doesn't see is what happens once we put that folded flag on the shelf. Right. And what do these families go on to do? And we wanted to show the strength and resilience of Gold Star families traveling through their grief journey. 
you know, and that that's exactly something I wanted to ask about, Ryan, because that, that, that grief journey, you know, it, it, you, you put it perfectly because it's uh, not to use the phrase when the lights go off, but, you know, when after you've been handed that, that flag, the casket is closed, you know, the relationship you had, you know, obviously with the Looney family, Brendan and Travis being best friends. I know there's a just a, a, a relationship unlike any other, you know, that Gold Star families have simply because of, of the you know the the ties that bind you know but mm-hmm. the but the you know the put the putting one foot in front of the other you know after you've got that flag after that casket is closed you know they talk about the brotherhood so much in service but how about you know the bonds in I'm not going to call it sisterhood in this case but the the strength of the bond you guys have collectively especially you three authors you know when it comes time to trying to put that one foot in front of the other I think we all lean on each other because as you, as you travel in the days and months and years after the loss, um, everyone and the three of us, Mm -hmm. it's detailed in the book. We took very different paths. Sure. We, we weren't all going through the same emotions, um, at the same time. And I think it's about depending on each other and also knowing, listen, you know, I've heard it said a thousand times, gold star families are part of a, a group that they never wanted to be a part of. But you meet the most incredibly strong and courageous and resilient individuals mm-hmm. through being a part of this community. And it's about leaning on each other and being able to help each other when they're down and celebrating the highs and the lows of the journey after the loss. Again, continue with Ryan Mannion, the co-author of the book, uh, The Knock at the Door, president of the Travis Mannion Foundation, Operation Legacy, continuing on right now through November the 11th. Check it out online, travismannion.org, the ways they are making a difference in communities from coast to coast. I urge you to, to check it out. One question I got real quick before I let you go, Ryan, you know, uh, in writing this book, were there ever times, in, and I know you're probably going on, you know, trains, planes, automobiles, traveling the country, speaking to groups, uh, media interviews, um, you know, meeting with families. But during the writing of the book, did, did were there times where you, you kind of just stopped and either got emotional or maybe reflect uh, maybe on a certain story that, that you were telling a message or a message that you heard from a fam- one of the families you work with? It was incredibly cathartic to write uh-huh. this book. And, and Amy, Heather, and I all made a commitment to each other before we started putting pen to paper, that in order to do this book justice, we had to make sure that we were being vulnerable, not only to ourselves, but to the reader. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we, we talk about things that I necessarily didn't expect to share with the world, but we thought it was important because we knew that in order to, um, for people to really understand they had to know the full story. And so as, as we wrote the book, there were a lot of things I talked about Mm -hmm. that and wrote about that, you know, they brought up emotions that I hadn't um, unpacked for many, many years. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a, it was a cathartic experience and one that I'm, I'm very happy that I did. Yeah. The knock at the door is the name of the book, three gold star families bonded by grief and purpose. Uh, In, you know, one final question for you, Ryan, it's, it's, you know, your staff, you have such a, a driven, committed staff. You know, there's no rah-rah 
probably pep talks you have to give because they're in the trenches. They know the work they're doing every day. And so many times, you know, it might be, you know, uh, whether it's a business or a company, you know, you're building to a crescendo, you're building to a goal or just a mark. But, you know, when it comes to, to the work you guys do, I mean, success comes in, in so many different forms. How do you sometimes define and talk about success within your staff? I think, you know, for us, it's all about staying true to our values Mm -hmm. and the values that we set at the Travis Manning Foundation. And I, I've said it once and I've said it a thousand times. I have the most incredibly driven, hardworking team. And at the end of the day, we're all just driving toward the vision of making sure that we are empowering our military community. And, you know, everybody that comes on, it's less about what your skill set is. And it's more about, do you align with our values? Mm -hmm. Do you understand what it means to live every day by, if not me, then who? And that's really how we gauge. And not only beyond the staff, it's the community that we've created over a hundred thousand members across the country. And it's just, it, I, I was talking to somebody the other day about what makes the Travis Manning foundation so special. And I said, I wish I could articulate it in words, Mm -hmm. but it's just a feeling that you get when you're around an event or a program. It's a feeling that you get. And if you're there, you feel it and you know it. Yep. And I had that opportunity last year at the Army Navy game to to spend some time around your team. And you know, while while that may have been a little bit of a different circumstance, I, I could feel you know the the pat. I I could feel a piece of what you're talking about right there in, in talking with so many of your staff members and a lot of the guests uh, that were there that have that have done work as part of you know the Travis Manion Foundation community, Ryan. And you know, again, this the book, you know, the knock at the door. It's it's uh, an amazing read out this week. I, I know you're going to be talking a lot about it uh, in, in local newspapers, TV, across the country. You want people to go and buy it. Where can people buy the knock at the door? Where can they get a copy of it? Uh, you can get a copy of it at any of your local retailers on Amazon. You can go right to ryanmanion.com, and that'll link to all of the different um, the different retailers that are selling the book. And, you know, we encourage everyone to go out. The book releases on November 5th, but you can go out right now and pre-order. Ryan, it's been a pleasure, and I, I just say this again. Thank you so much to uh, to, to you, your, your entire family, because of the service uh, that Travis gave and so many others that he stood beside. And uh, in, as we know, freedom is not free. And, you know, it's folks like your brother and so many others um, in the families, unfortunately, they have to go through what they do. But, you know, at the end of the day, all we can do is, is put our arms around you and just say thank you uh, for having just an, such an amazing uh, young man, brother, person uh, that decided to serve with leadership and character. And I know that's continued through every single day in the work of the Travis Manion Foundation. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you for helping to amplify the message about our military community and our Gold Star families. Thank you so much, Ryan. That's Ryan Mannion, the president of the Travis Mannion Foundation. Again, travismannion.org, Operation Legacy, ongoing right now through the month, or excuse me, through November the 11th, as you can get involved, travismannion.org. And as she said, if you want to pick up a copy of The Knock at the Door, it is out this week. You can go to ryanmannion.com, or you can go to travismannion.org or your local bookstore, the book, once again, The Knock at the Door, co-authored by Ryan Mannion, Heather Kelly, and Amy Looney 
Heffernan. I urge you to check it out. All right, when we come back, we are going to check out what's coming up this weekend, set of games. We're going to talk about it and a whole lot more, plus our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment, how we wrap up every episode of the podcast. That's coming up right here on Yards and Stripes. So many games to muddle through. Who's looking for an angle? Who's looking for an upset? We're looking for it every week as part of Three Dog Thursday. Hi, I'm TJ Reeves. Join me for the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to picking those underdogs. My co-host Kevin Rogers is a senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com, and we do a great job of analyzing and predicting at least three underdogs to look for every week college football and in the pros plus when the college basketball season rolls around we got to keep picking underdogs all the way through the final four it's three dog thursday subscribe to our podcast at itunes stitcher and google podcast and when picking those underdogs in the football and college basketball season remember our podcast three dog thursday The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy football. Here again is Price Atkinson. All right, let's look ahead what's to come this weekend. Also, I'm going to give you my updated power rankings because I like to do it uh, basically when we turn the calendar into a new month. But first, coming up this weekend, Navy's going to be off. They're going to be off this weekend before they travel to Notre Dame uh, to take on the Fighting Irish in a couple weeks. So Navy off this weekend, but we'll start on Saturday. Army hosting the UMass Minutemen. Clearly a game that Army needs to win. UMass comes into this football game just 1-8. and eight. Again, a noon kickoff on CBS Sportsnet from Mikey Stadium. The Minutemen have lost four straight uh, and honestly have not been very competitive in doing so. Let me just tell you what they're giving up, uh, their defense is giving up. Uh, In the last three games, they've given up 69 points, 56 points, and 63 points. All told, in their eight losses this year, uh, the opposition has scored a minimum of 44 points in the game. Their lone victory, a 37-29 to win over Akron. Uh, but the Minutemen riding a four-game losing streak. Obviously, obviously, Army in a losing skid of its own at 3-6, and six, needing to win out to make it to a bowl game, become bowl eligible. But they should be the favorites. I haven't seen a line on this one yet early in the week. But UMass Army, 12 noon kickoff, Mikey Stadium, CBS Sportsnet. The Black Knights need this one desperately. I'd be shocked if they didn't get it. Also on Saturday, the Air Force Falcons. They're traveling to Albuquerque in a place that's had some crazy games over the last few years. But in New Mexico, you talk about losing streaks. New Mexico is on one as well as they have lost six in a row. The Lobos started the season 2-1 and one after defeating Sam Houston State and then losing at Notre Dame, but then defeating rival New Mexico State 55-52 to in a thriller. Since then, in, since getting to 2-1, and one, the Lobos have lost six straight football games. So Air Force comes into this one with a ton of confidence. I think Air Force is going to go get it done because the confidence meter right now, 7-2, and 4-1 and one in the Mountain West for the Falcons. They are on cloud nine as this game at Dream Style Stadium in Albuquerque, a, tw- a noon, or excuse me, a 2 p.m. kickoff in the east, a 12 noon kickoff locally, but a 2 p.m. kickoff Eastern Standard Time. This game can be seen on AT&T Sports Net. 
All right, so I'm going to give you my updated power rankings because as we get ready for the last, basically the last month of the regular season right now, you know, I was teetering on the fence the last time I did these, but there's no question about it at this point uh, who the best team is. Right now, Army, they have fallen from number one, at least in my power rankings. They were teetering between that one and two spot the last time I did these. Army now at three and six. They're going to be in that number three spot, obviously coming off that Air Force loss and then being in the tailspin that they're in. Army sits at number three. Number two, Air Force. The Falcons right now having a fantastic season, bowl eligible yet again, and looking to do some big things and potentially winning double-digit games this season. Obviously, they beat Army over the weekend. They're going to move to number two, having lost to Navy. And now the midshipmen currently in the, the lead of the American Athletic Conference in their division just by a half game over SMU in Memphis, thanks to Memphis's win over previously undefeated SMU. Uh, the midshipmen right now are rolling. Uh, right now, it's you could, um, you could make the case that it's a toss-up between Air Force and Navy uh, because that game was so close, and it was, but by virtue of Navy winning the football game, I'm giving the edge to the midshipmen. The midshipmen right now look outstanding, as does Air Force. But my power rankings as we basically get into the month of November and get rolling in the final weeks of the regular season. Navy 1, Air Force 2, and Army 3. All right, when we come back, it's our weekly Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment. You don't want to miss it, how we wrap up every episode of the podcast by honoring a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. It's coming up next right here on Yards and Stripes. All right, welcome back in Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. And you know what time it is. It's time for our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment. And as I mentioned, during the interview with Ryan Mannion, so lucky and honored to have her, the president of TMF, on with us this week. You know, right now, Operation Legacy ongoing until November the 11th. Find out how you can sign up, make a difference in a local community uh, in a, in across the country at travismannion.org. Again, Operation Legacy ongoing right now through November the 11th and you know in the words of Travis himself if not me then who those five words he spoke before his final deployment uh, before giving that ultimate sacrifice you know it's it's the times where we take to to step back remember our heroes and a hero literally uh, in so many different senses of the word was was a gentleman named John Gaffney United States Army Captain John Gaffney was was a man of huge character uh, that reflected in all facets of his life, but in his character, strength, and, and his love was prominent uh, in regard to his family. And, and Captain Gaffney gave the ultimate sacrifice uh, on 10 years ago today this week, uh, November the 5th, 2009, uh, when he was fatally wounded uh, trying to save many, many hundreds uh, at Fort Hood, Texas, when a gunman opened fire tragically that took the life of 13 people, including Captain John Gaffney, there at Fort Hood uh, in Texas. And as he reportedly, uh, as accounts came out later, rushed the gunman, came within reported inches uh, of getting to him before he was mortally wounded, uh, said his wife, Christine Gaffney, said, Quote, didn't surprise me. It sounded just like John. He wouldn't be the one who would be ducking or staying out of harm's way. He would have been trying to protect everyone else, end quote. And that's exactly uh, what he did by all accounts. The, the native of William, Williston, North Dakota, who later made his home uh, out on the West Coast in California, uh, John was described as the kindest man on earth. Um, he was... Uh, 
joined the joined the Navy right out of college, became a psych technician, uh, met his wife Christine there. Uh, they were later married in 1976, and he got out of the Navy in 78. Uh, and the couple, they moved to, to San Diego, where they had their son John in 1979, and their son John uh, joined the National Guard some years later. Uh, but John himself, John Captain Gaffney, uh, decided to re-enlist after the events of 9-11. His mission was basically to get back in the military and help out our country because it was a cause in combating terrorism that he was so passionate and thought was so important. And he went into the Army Reserves because uh, he wanted to use that degree of his to the best of his ability. Uh, and he spent several years there uh, with a reserve unit uh, when that day came when duty called. And uh, as his unit and several others were getting deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, he was ready and beginning processing there in Fort Hood uh, when that unfortunate day came on November the 5th, 2009. As I mentioned, he is survived by his wife, Christine, uh, as well as his son, John. And such heroic efforts uh, from John Gaffney, Captain Gaffney from the United States Army, um, that we take that time to we, we remember, reflect uh, on such a, not only a, a tragedy that happened that day in Fort Hood, Texas, but also uh, to, to re- remember, remember a hero and many of the heroes. Uh, heroes don't always wear capes. They take on different sizes, shapes, and forms. And Captain John Gaffney, United States Army, was indeed, uh, in fact, a hero that day as he tried to save many, many others uh, to avoid what was just such a tragic incident. But, you know, we take this time to to say thank you, to step back and remember all those who who put their lives on the line, uh, not only that just gave the ultimate sacrifice, but everybody that does it every single day that puts on that uniform uh, to serve us and for our country, because as I always say, we know freedom is not never free, and it's because of our heroes who put their lives on the line. So we thank, say thank you to Captain John Gaffney, but especially his family and all his loved ones. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, if not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation, and through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. Yes, we are Yards and Stripes, and we are your home for Service Academy football. And yes, we are about out of here with this episode. I want to say thank you to everybody again. Your patience this year has been unwavering, as I have had a few curveballs thrown my way. Uh, and had a few hiccups there in the schedule, uh, not unable to get a couple episodes out. But uh, that's not going to be the case as we look forward to a strong finish to the season. One more month of the regular season to go. I guess I should say a month and a half with the Army-Navy game, obviously, uh, there in what really now is more mid-December. But just thank you to everybody for taking the time to listen uh, each and every week. It's just really Really appreciative of of the commitment you guys have to the podcast and what is now season three. If you want to subscribe, I would love for you to do so. If if you haven't already, just go to your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, 
doesn't matter if you're an Apple or an Android user. There is a way for you to get it delivered right to your phone every single week. Just go search Yards and Stripes on your favorite podcast app. You will get it delivered right there. Also, give us a follow on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook at Yards and Stripes. Uh, Each and every episode will be posted right there every week. But I do want to say thank you to Travis Mannion Foundation's president, Ryan Mannion herself, the president of TMF, for joining us, the co-author of the new book, The Knock at the Door. It is out this week. I encourage everybody, if you've got an interest, have lost a loved one, have gone through any kind of traumatic experience, The Knock at the Door, I think, is a must-read. You can get a copy at travismanion.org or in your local bookstores. The Knock at the Door is the name of the book, out in stores now. So, For me, Price Atkinson, I want to say thanks to everybody. Once again, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks to Ryan. Thank you to everybody listening, and thank you to the teams for putting forward uh, the drama that they do on the field every single week. But we'll be back again next week for another episode of Yards and Stripes. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games, everybody. To get more on all things Service Academy football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And as always, you can subscribe to Yards and Stripes on iTunes and Stitcher. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy football.